Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to the Billboard Chartbeat Podcast. Gary Trust here with Trevor Anderson, also from the Billboard Charts Department, joining as co-host. Welcome, Trevor. Thank you, Gary. Um, hey, listeners out there, it'll be fun to join along on this Chartbeat journey. So it sort of reminds me. So I've been doing the Chartbeat Podcast for about a year now. Has, really, has it been yeah. a year? Yeah, about a year. It doesn't feel like it's been that long. Okay. I guess you've been having fun. It's been a year. Listening. <laughs> Time flies, right? Um, so if you've been listening, uh, it's been mostly me. Uh, sometimes Jim Asker in Nashville has uh, interviewed uh, people in the industry. Trevor, you interviewed uh, Lionel Richie once, your buddy, Lionel Richie. Yeah, we're, we go out for drinks every Thursday now and talk about it. So um, this, this is kind of, this is the chartbeat version of when, when a sitcom in the, in the 70s or 80s would bring on a younger person to the cast to keep it relevant. <laughs> You're like Oliver on the Brady Bunch. That um, oh my Gary, I okay. Tell me you got the reference. I do actually. I forgot about he was what the cousin or something. Cousin and, Oliver. Yeah, yeah. Thanks to everybody. Um, again, my name's Trevor. Uh, I work in the Billboard charts department. I am a chart manager slash editorial liaison, which you know is a it's a nice little hybrid job title there. Sounds sounds impressive. It's kind of you know a lot for business cards. Um, I oversee the Billboard Hot 100, all our radio charts, uh, co-director of charts with Keith Caulfield in L.A., who uh, hosts the Pop Shop podcast with Katie Atkinson. So uh, the idea of, of the Charpy podcast is going to pretty much be what it's been, just a little bit deeper. Um, we just want to look at why what's on the charts is on the charts, give some behind-the-numbers perspective, and give a historical aspect and perspective as well, because... When you look at chart history, it can tell you a greater idea of what's going on now. Like if we see Drake having all these hits, maybe it's something that hasn't been done since the Beatles in the 60s. So it's another way to look at how big hits are nowadays. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, this is awesome. I mean, obviously the charts have been changing for a while. You know, streaming has been really the the last sort of major impetus that a lot of people have talked about. And like Gary said, it, it's really it's, – it's interesting because it's really changed, um, I think, A – how people determine popularity and what and how they listen to music, obviously. And, you know, it's always just kind of cool to see an evolution of the charts that still try and measure, you know, at its core, the same 
question of what is popular, what's what's doing well, what do people like, but in a lot of different ways from when it first started way back when. Right. Ultimately, the Hot 100 started in 1958. The idea was uh, what are the biggest songs of the week, whether it's on jukeboxes or 45s. Nowadays, it's obviously totally different consumption, but idea is still the same, as you just said, Trevor. It's what's a hit and what isn't. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so each week we're going to cover highlights of the Billboard Hot 100. As uh, maybe you've seen us on Facebook Live, every Monday we count down the top (laughs) ten. You don't get to see our our faces, unfortunately. Uh, Yeah, if you haven't, um, make sure you go ahead and set that that alarm on your phone for about 2 o'clock Eastern um, every Monday. We try, like Gary said, we try and count down the top ten um, in a pretty cohesive, fun fashion. And, um, I mean, it's the first place you really find it out. So right. before it goes online, before all the tweets happen, if you really want to find out ahead of time, you know, what's going on for the week, that's the place to check it out. All right. Here on the podcast, we'll also spotlight another Billboard chart each week. We'll interview a guest from the industry, a great one coming up this week from Atlantic Records. And uh, we'll wrap with a flashback as well to a notable week in Billboard chart history. So let's kick off with... The Hot 100. Oh, look, Trevor, boys to men are here. <laughs> uh, yeah, we got them all, all reunited. Hey, look at that. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. fellas. Thanks to Boys to Men and or Beyonce in 2011 uh, for inspiring that. And without further ado, here is this week's top 10 of the Hot 100. Check it out. Sheeran, number one on the Billboard Hot 100 for a ninth week. 
it's been the year of Ed Sheeran so far. Yeah, 2017 has been uh, all Sheeran, Sheeran of I don't know. That was awful. Uh, if you, <laughs> Gary does much better puns than I do, so <laughs> forgive me. Um, yeah, but Ed Sheeran, like Gary said, has been everywhere. Uh, once again, it's the top song really across the board. Best yep. selling, right. top streaming, uh, most radio audience. So, you know, it's. I mean, we, we knew we knew it could kind of come based on how big the album was last time, and you know, solidifying what a great run Multiply had. Now, Divide is taking over. Yeah, and radio wise, it's the biggest audience this week since Adele's Hello. So it tells you it's in, in one of those metrics as big as Hello at this point. That was a pretty big hit. Yeah, it did all right. Um, just just a little bit. So actually, our guest this week is uh, John McMahon from Atlantic Records. We'll talk to him in just a little bit and, and get into all things uh, Ed Sheeran uh, coming up. Uh, the other big news on the Hot 100 this week is Drake. Obviously, uh, More, Lo- uh, More Life had a huge week. Um, biggest debut for any album since his own views last year. Look at that. One, two. And on the Hot 100 record-setting week uh, for Drake, his 24 songs on the Hot 100 beats his own record uh, he sets a record with that um 21 debuts is also a record in one week um and 154 now total in his career is the most hot 100 hits among all soloists second only to the glee cast 207 you forget like how you know glee wasn't on an enormously long time but you forget like how deep that catalog really ran right you know what's interesting i'm just realizing this now both uh Drake and the Glee cast made their debuts in spring 2009. Drake uh, arrived with Best I Ever Had. Yeah. Glee started with uh, Don't Stop Believing. The show premiered. Oh, God. Who knew was at that the, time? the first one? Yeah, who knew yeah. at the time that spring 2009 we were going to get the two acts? That was that was the, the time to get hot. Who else was spring? Somebody else had to pop in spring 2009. It's got to be Nicki Minaj was around that time-ish. Around Somewhere time in 2009. She, yeah, she, she has the most yeah. top 100 entries among women. Right, that was a good time. That was the era to break out. Um, can can Drake pass Glee cast? I know they have they have a big lead, two hundred seven to one fifty four. But Glee is most likely done. That number is probably don't hey don't Gary don't discount the syndicated you know revival of Glee that'll be coming to lifetime. But um, yeah, like you said, I mean they're with Drake's within what fifty three fifty three hits now. So. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, he's doing so well. It's not like he's going to be stopping anytime soon. Again, uh, I mean, probably hopping on some features here and there to keep the momentum going. But it seems inevitable at some point. Right. You figure his last two albums, he's charted about 20 songs each. Yeah. So if he puts out, say, three more albums in the next two, three, four years, charts all 20, he's got his record. So, I mean, Aubrey, if you're listening, keep him coming. You're giving me a million reasons to let you go. You're giving me a million reasons to quit the show. You're giving me a million reasons. Give me Speaking of people who had a pretty good spring, 2009, let's talk about Lady Gaga. That was her big breakthrough season. Just Dance coming out at the end of 08, really breaking through. Poker Face taking right. over at that time. And Lady Gaga, all the way in 2017, is still hot. Yeah, so million reasons. I just heard a clip of that. Hits the top ten this week on Billboard's Adult Pop Songs chart, which means... Yeah, what is the Adult Pop Songs chart? Let's explain that for folks. All right, so folks. it's uh, stations like, uh, if you're in uh, New York, WPLJ, WNEW, uh, here in New York, KBIG in Los Angeles. It's, 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 it's lovingly referred to as soccer mom stations. So, is that what they really call soccer mom stations? Yeah, it's, it's like not, not quite as hot as Top 40, a little brighter than Adult Contemporary. 
So uh, it goes 11 to 8, uh, hits uh, the top 10. It's our first top 10 on that chart since applause in 2013. It's been the greatest gainer for the last three weeks, so it's really uh, kicked in. And obviously uh, the Super Bowl, she performed it there back on uh, February 5th, um, and that brought it back uh, to a totally a bigger level in public consciousness. But it's more than that. It's not just uh, because she sang the song then. It, it obviously has to do well on its own merits or else people aren't going to keep playing it. People aren't going to want to hear it. Yeah. It was just a one-time thing. So um, I reached out to, to a couple programmers uh, in, in the format. Um, one of them, Jane, at Alice in San Francisco. She, she thought it was interesting. I, I thought this was, was kind of an interesting perspective to take. That uh, it's such a traditional traditional ballad. It's it's just a ballad that could have been a hit in the '80s or '90s, and she's saying it comes from arguably our least traditional artist. Kind of kind of funny how Gaga, who's been known for crazy outfits and so many different sounds, has now her biggest hit in a while with the most traditional type of song possible. Yeah, and I think that that's something that um, you know she's really made a sort of an active attempt at. Reminding people that she is a you know musician first, really. Um, e- even if you go way back to something like when she did the Sound of Music at the Oscars, which is something that you know a lot of people right. would not have thought that she would have been the choice for, or you know anything like that. Or even if she would have dressed weird for it or something. I mean, she came and knocked that out of the park. I mean, that was also around the time of Cheek to Cheek with Tony Bennett, which is another side of her that people certainly didn't expect. So and the Grammys side with Metallica. She yeah, rock. I mean, rock. exactly. Yeah, There's that angle sides. as well. Um, so, but you know, she's always, especially if you see her in concert, she is very like piano vocus. She loves to strip her, her songs down, um, which I think is a great touch. So, yeah, I mean, it is kind of weird that 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 uh, this ballad is striking from somebody. But I think you know, it's also kind of nice that it's a side that she's always had that is finally getting to break through. Right. And and the other uh, comment from Rob Lucas, a programmer at Star and Buffalo, said. Uh, we're going back to the vocalist era because this song is really, I think, driven by Gaga's vocal. Uh, he points out to how Adele has become so big with, with her ballads. Ed Sheeran, even with his ballads, are very much about the vocal. And I'm thinking maybe after a decade or so where songs have been so produced. We didn't have, we had a non-vocalist era for yeah. a minute there? Well, I think everyone uh, grew up and started making music on, on their computers and it just became all about production. Maybe we're swinging back at this point. And even, you know, dance music is, is more minimal at this point. So maybe we are kind of on a going back to, to it being about about the vocal a little bit more than, than all the production. Yeah, yeah, fair point. Fair point. I mean, I think Adele, yeah, definitely ushered that, that wave in. Fair to say. I think it's really uh, the Patriots. I think we need to give the Patriots credit for Gaga's hit. What? Huh? They came back in the Super Bowl. Yes. And so everyone talked about it. And then her song. So let's let's give Tom Brady and Bill Belichick credit for this top ten Lady Gaga song. That's that's what we're driving at right here. As a a Bostonian, I'm very happy to do that. All right, so we talked about Ed Sheeran, number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Let's get deeper into why the songs become such a hit, uh, how Atlanta Records has helped made it a hit, what Ed Sheeran is like. We've got uh, John McMahon from Atlantic Records. Here on the podcast, let's talk all about it. I'm in love with the shape of you. We push and pull like a magnet. Although my heart is falling too. I'm in love with your body. Last night you were John McMahon, senior VP promotion, Atlantic Records on the pop and rhythmic sides. Thanks for being here, John. Oh, pleasure, Gary. Ed Sheeran, we've been writing about him, talking about him quite a bit for the last few weeks. 
Yeah, that's uh, seems that uh, everyone is. <laughs> he's he's pretty much ruling it right now. So, um, Shape of You, number one on the Hot 100 for yeah. for you know, a couple months. Biggest album debut for Divide of 2017. You knew this was probably going to be big, but has it exceeded even the label's expectations? Um, yeah, we we felt phenomenal about the launch because the music was so extraordinary. Um, but you never know what the public's going to think, right? So, and Shape of You is a, a little bit different from and Ed's past, you know, hit songs. Um, so when it hit, and it was you know, breaking every streaming record, um, you know, on Spotify and Apple Music, in the U.S. and globally, we thought, wow, this is really going to go. And then iTunes just, you know, it was like an avalanche um, of sales. And then radio heard it and were like, wow, we got to go in on this record hard. And literally 100% of the top 40 panel hit it the first day. Um, And Hot AC and and a lot of rhythm guys. So, from that uh, perspective, it was bigger than you know we had ever experienced with Ed Pryor, and as big as you know some of our other big superstar launches in the past. Um, so I would say, at this point, looking back over the nine weeks since we launched it, it probably is even bigger than our expectations. Yeah, well, it's it's so interesting with his case because he started basically as a folk singer with his first two hits. They were really just so singer-songwriter. I'm not sure anyone, it was only you know, about four years ago, yeah. that anyone would have thought at this point he's you know one of the top male pop artists just in, in such a an overall pop sense at this point. Yeah, that that's really, really true. Um, it, when when A-Team launched, we didn't know what to make of it because we, we heard it and, you know, the song's about, like, you know, crack prostitute and, you know, it was this, this acoustic singer-songwriter uh, song that was potentially going to cross the top 40 radio right as summer was about to start you know and programmers have you know not a rule but it's kind of they hope to be playing up-tempo music at, at, at in the summer right. they, they want to generally um and this song just kind of defied everyone's expectations we went to see him actually like our atlantic promo staff went to see him um at uh bowery and it was astonishing to see a sea of, you know, 16, 15, 16 to say 25 year old, you know, girls, women, young women in the audience screaming the words to every song. And so even for us, knowing how big it was overseas and that he was so talented um, as a live performer, um, we said to ourselves, whatever we have to do to go through brick walls, like this is. Z100. This is Kiss in LA and KMVQ in San Francisco and all these big top 40 stations that are probably going to give us a really hard time to say, this does not sound like my station. Yeah. Right. Um, we're going to go through brick walls to get this played. So we actually ended up bringing in a lot of these programmers, did another show um, a few weeks later at Irving Plaza, and just let the audience speak for, its, for themselves and the music as well. So we walked into Irving Plaza with you know probably like 30 to 40 programmers. And as we're walking in, like, you could feel the vibe. And the girls were all screaming and chanting, we want Ed, we want Ed. And it was like, we could not have plotted it better ourselves. Right. It was really uh, right out of, uh, you know, a Hollywood script. And he floored them all that night. And they all went on to put um, A-Team into rotation. And it became this kind of career song for him. Uh, but... 
the Ed of you know four years ago, musically, he still has that DNA. You know, and you listen to the Divide album. There's lots of you know beautiful Ed with his guitar kind of songs, um, but there's an evolution as well where his music is going in all directions from you know rhythmic and soulful influences. He went to Ghana. He re- recorded there for three weeks um, and, you know, went to his home, you know, land of Ireland from his ancestral homeland and recorded um, with Irish folk singers. And so there's a diversity of music on the album that is, um, you know, unique to what anyone else. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Else is doing out there. And it wasn't a one album transition. It would be pretty stark if he went from that first album to his sound now. But in between, he kind of set the stage with working with Pharrell and, and the hits on the last album. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, Sing was, you know, clearly Pharrell. When you hear it, you know, you could hear it almost like a Justin Timberlake. Um, and then Don't was another, you know, pop phenomenon. And then, because it, it was actually, there was a pop culture nature to that, that, you know, there was allegedly some, you know, true autobiographical stuff going on in that song, right. which was pretty pretty cool. And this blew up, you know, the social media space and the internet. You know, every young fan was talking about the lyrics in that song. And then, um, of course, Thinking Out Loud was just like, boom, the career record that anyone would wish to have that I'm sure that in 25 or 30 years, you'll be listening to it. We'll be a lot older. We'll probably, I have kids already. They'll probably have kids then. And they'll listen to Thinking Out Loud and go, wow, it's such a great song, you know? Yeah. Um, and there, there are very few artists that can make a song that just sounds timeless, you right. know? Um, on the new album, uh, there's a couple songs that sound kind of like Thinking Out Loud to me, How Would You Feel, and Perfect. Yeah. So he still has Definitely. that element. Or either of those uh, the next single? Do you guys know yet what the next single is going to be? So we don't know what the next single is. Well, Shape of You is buying a lot of time for he while it's still holding it number one. So yeah, no, no question about that. And and the the thing about it is when you're trying to time when to put out the next single, you don't want to put it out too soon. Where the when you have a single of this magnitude, right? Because it can kind of cannibalize. You know, it takes up all the oxygen in the room, and then you go, hey, wait a minute, the, the new song's trying to say, hey, here I am, yeah. and the other song is so big at the top that it's hard to get some space. But It's a good problem to have, but 
a problem in in some ways. Yeah, and and so Castle's been out there. Castle on the hill has been out there since the day that he dropped it. And Ed likes to say, you know, going back to the Beatles, you know, they used to drop double A sides. You know, when they broke and exploded out of the out of you know England in the early '60s. So Ed's you know kind of thought on it was, Shape of You is this one side of my music on this Divide album, and Castle on the Hill is this whole other different different side. So let's put them both out at the same time and let the audience know that this is how diverse this album is going to be musically. So Castle on the Hill has been out there and it's been streaming like crazy and selling like crazy and, you know, bazillion YouTube views. Fans love it. So it could absolutely be the next single, but Galway Girl is streaming like nobody would believe yeah. off, off the album globally and in the U.S. Like on Spotify, it's, it's inside the top 10 on streaming um, on U.S. Top 50. So you have to take that seriously because it's raising its hand. And I must say that a lot of people that we talk to at radio, while they definitely love Castle on the Hill, and a lot of them are playing it, um, they were like, Galway Girl might be my favorite song of the album. or one of, It's my top three. Right. So I think it's probably you know maybe between those two songs, but something else could raise its hand too that could change you know our pro- thought process or his thought process. I found a love for me Darling, just dive right in Follow my lead well, I found a girl Perfect is definitely going to be a single. Like, it is, as you said it, you know, very eloquently. It's in that lane of, of that thinking out loud, anthemic kind of super smash. Right. And, you know, hopefully if all goes well, whatever the second single is, gets rolling, you know, early this spring, takes us through the summer, and then hopefully Perfect will be the next single that will just be this gargantuan thing going into, you know, the fourth quarter. There aren't many artists that can hit so many different formats. I think it's interesting when you oversee uh, crossover rhythmic promotion. Uh, Shape of You is his first top ten as a lead artist in rhythmic radio. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, Thinking Out Loud went top 15, but this is the first top 10, and it actually feels like it could very easily be a top five song at the end of the day. And one really, like, holy you-know-what moment happened this week, (laughs) which is Hot 97 put in Shape of You. Yeah. And they not only did they put it in Hot 97 in New York, you know, arguably, you know, certainly one of the biggest hip-hop stations in the country in the number one market, but they added it into power rotation. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So that's pretty wild. And there, there's a couple of different remixes that some of these rhythm stations are playing. There's a major laser mix that has Nyla from Drake One Dance right. and, and Cranium on it. Cranium's one of our artists, dance hall artists. And then there's another version that Hot's playing that is the original music, the original track, mm-hmm. but with Cranium on it. And Cranium does an intro and then like a breakdown in the middle, and he's kind of all over the song. So for Hot 97, it really... It doesn't really break when you hear it on the air in the context of that station with cranium on it. It doesn't really violate their kind of sound code, you know, um, musical feel because cranium's on it. And the roots of Shape of You are super rhythmic. Yeah. Like he actually wrote that song with Rihanna in mind. Right. So he ended up keeping it, you know, which we're really happy about. But he wrote it with Rihanna in mind. And if you think about that for a second, you could hear Rihanna doing Shape of You. Yeah. Easily. Right. You know, I'm just thinking. You got a redhead on Hot 97. I know, <laughs> shocking. 
and rock radio too has been playing a little bit with with uh, Castle, so he's even still got some rock cred, right? Uh, yeah. On some level, yeah, you know, and even and Triple A, and obviously he's massive at Hot AC and AC Radio. It's massive, so he's just spanning a lot of different formats um, just on this one song alone. And you've known Ed for a while now, right? You've known him pretty much since the beginning? Yeah, from the very beginning. What's he like? Is he changed? What's, what's it like hanging out with, with Ed? As, as no, this guy has not changed at all. Yeah. This, this, this guy is one person who is so grounded and, and really has remained the same, you know, intelligent, funny, British sense of humor, quirky, cool, um, lovable young dude who's just tremendously talented but just as a human being, he is just the most wonderful person to be around. Um, you know, he's he's great with our staff. He's great with the fans. He's great with radio programmers. He's great with everyone that he encounters. Like, he doesn't walk into a room and have anyone, when he leaves, say, eh, I wasn't sure about that guy. When he leaves the room, people are like, I love him. What a, what a good guy. And so he's really made a lot of um, friends along the way. And, uh, you know, I'll give you an example. We took him up to Z100 to do promo. We did, like, all of New York radio. But when we were um, going into Z100 to go see Elvis, we got there at, like, you know, 7 in the morning. We went in the freight elevator entrance. Um, and just because, you know, we were on time schedule and we didn't want to, you know, be delayed for anything. So we sneak up the back way. We do all the promo. He's on the air with Elvis. Everything's beautiful. We go out the elevator uh, of the iHeart building. And you can go left and go back to the freight elevator, or you can go right and to the front door. The front door was rammed with fans, like probably 80 to 100 you know, fans, mostly girls. Yeah. Ed says, let's go out the front. Like, remix this, this, this visit. We're doing a detour. <laughs> Goes out to the front and takes a selfie with every single fan that was waiting out there to hopefully just catch a glimpse of him. Right. And signed everything and you know, spent probably 45 minutes just saying thank you to his fans and you know there's a, there's a lot of artists that would have went right for the freight elevator right and this guy said let me go out there and show them that I care and that I appreciate them and that I love my fans so I think that really really says it all yeah I think that all kind of just comes through in interviews with him as well that he's just it seems very humble and just very appreciative of, of how far he's come and these new uh, heights of success he's hitting. It, it still feels like it's still very uh, – has happened in an organic way for him. Yeah, it, it really has. I mean, his um, – it's – we we did another – we did a show uh, last week. It was a private event. And there was probably less than 200 people in, the, in this uh, small venue. And about a third of the way through his set – he decided he wanted to go out into the middle of the audience and play acoustic. So he gets a chair, and he goes, and they put it in the center of the, the floor in this little venue, and he stands up on the chair, and he does three songs acoustic you know, from the new album, and literally rotating on the chair, like three revolutions a minute as he's playing his guitar and performing. And there's no microphone. This is just him with no mic, not plugged in, nothing. And not, you could hear a pin drop while he was performing that. And, and you know, that is the same guy that used to do that four years ago when we did that Irving Plaza show. He did the same thing then in the middle of the dance floor. And I'm sure he doesn't get a chance to do it very much now because, like, when does Ed Sheeran play a room of 200 people? Like, pretty much almost never. Right. And he said, you know, in between one of the song performances, he said, 
guys, I must say, I'm really enjoying this, you know? Because he doesn't get to do it like that. And, you know, he'll be doing arenas this tour, and I'm sure next year, you got to imagine, he's going to be in MetLife Stadium and Gillette Stadium and doing stadiums around the world. One of our editors uh, here, I'll shout out Taylor Weatherby, she was actually at that show, and she kind of noted that, that, you know, he knew that was where one of his first venues he played in New York, and he always loves to come back there and, you know, again, just show the fans that he remembers where he came from, he remembers the roots playing, you know, small groups and for small audiences, but he just loves that connection, that one-on-one with his fans. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, he really does. I mean, there was, there was a time on the first album, too, that I remember um, asking him, would you like to do you know, arena dates at some point? He goes, you know, I, I'd, I'd almost rather just, I'd rather do four, you know, Radio City Music Hall dates than, than do like an arena. Right. Of course, later that year, he did four nights in a row at Madison Square Garden <laughs> because he could, you know. Yeah. He'll take both. Demand is there, you know. Yeah, I mean, and that was, a, that was like a mind-blowing experience in itself that he did four nights in a row at Madison Square Garden on his first album. Like, it was literally six months later from the time that we were doing, like, Irving Plaza. So, remarkable. This is going to be a long run, I think, for Divide going forward. Yeah. I mean, you know, we listened to it, um, you know, in, in, in Atlantic. Like, we're all blasting it all the time. And people are listening to it on, you know, the weekends in their car and saying, you know, what's your favorite song? What's your favorite song? What do you think the next thing should be? And um, I was talking to uh, Chelsea Brando, who's our New York regional, and we were just rattling off, you know, one song after another. Should it be Dive? What about Perfect? What about, you know, How, do, how Would You Feel? And, you know, what about New Man? And what about Eraser? And we're just rattling off all these titles. And when you're thinking about that, you realize, you know, this guy, we could easily be working this album for, you know, through the end of 2018. Yeah. And go from through this holiday season into the next holiday season and get into, you know, six or more singles, which is very rare, you know, for any artist to do. But we're really, we're really proud of them. And, you know, when I listen to the album, I, I can't help but think in the 2018 Grammy Awards, this has got to be up for album of the year. And I don't know what's going to come out that's going to be better than it, um, but it certainly should be worthy of being considered because it's brilliant. Well, congratulations on all the success so far. We know there's more coming. Yeah. Uh, and we know there's there other stuff you're working as well. So can you actually uh, come back, John, to the podcast? We want to get into uh, Bruno Mars and other stuff you're working. We'd love to have you back. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. All right. Hell yeah. You'll be back next time here I'm on the Charvy Podcast. You know she played a fiddle in an Irish band, but she fell in love with an Englishman. Kissed her on the neck and then I took her by the hands and baby, I just wanna dance. My pretty little girl. Happy post St. Patrick's Day, Trevor. Always uh, loving the good taste of the Galway girl. So uh, Ed Sheeran, yeah, doing strong. And again, next week we'll find out if he can make the double-digit club on the Hot 100. Right. If Shape of You can crack that tin barrier. Yeah, it'll be interesting again to see what song uh, winds up uh, being the next single, being uh, the next big hit. We actually we were talking about the adult pop songs chart before. Uh, Castle on the Hill debuts this week on the charts. So that's already getting traction. Maybe that'll be yeah. next. Maybe interesting that like because it came out you know with Shape of You and right. I guess obviously Shape took a lot of the 
you know, a lot of the air out of the room. And interesting that are they even, are they trying to get that one back, or are they? Just, I think they're just. I think as John just kind of said, they're still in uh, mode of just sort of feeling things out. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we'll find out. Uh, you mentioned that song came out. It was back in January. Yeah. In Shape of You came out. How about we flash back even further than January? Whoa, let's go. Okay. Um, how about let's take it back to uh, 1981. 1981. What happened then? Well, that what does was, that even what does that even mean to you? Because you were born in 1991, right? Yes. So does this sound like total ancient history. 1981. Oh no! I mean, because you know the 80s are such a big part of pop culture that it 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 doesn't sound nearly as old as like 1971. Like that sounds careful. That sounds pretty far. Back. Careful. I was born in 74. You oh, know what's weird though? Yeah. Like when I look back at old charts. I don't think like oh 1974 I was born. There's not like there's some line. It's like all demarcation. Just, yeah, yeah. Like do you feel you were born in 91? Does it? It just sort of feels like you just sort of go back and get lost in music. It almost doesn't have a timeline for when you were born. Yeah, I mean, I guess in a sense. I mean, I don't know if the music like you know R and B and like hip hop and things are starting to really come through like. In, in the 90s, so right. in a weird sense, like, I, you know, I can hear a song and I can definitely feel like, okay, I I grew up with this kind of song. Right. Or, like, you know, for some of the 80s, kind of, like, more piano-driven or, or, or rock bands or something. It's like, okay, that that's not something we grew up with. Like, I can I can tell. Okay, so it's There's more... something weird Yeah, it's there. more sonic, kind of, when the yeah. sound that you grew up with. I think, like, yeah, 60s, 70s, like, singer-songwriter, it was all, I mean, there are obviously some variations, but that seems to be a little more uniform era to me. All right. I was only in first grade, 1981, so I'm not that – wasn't oh. that old back then. Well, I'm sure uh, six-year-old Gary back in first grade would have uh, probably not been very aware of this song, but we're going to talk real quick about um, an act that's really coming back around for this year for their new album. That's Blondie. Blondie, the Debbie Harry fronted group uh, that you guys know. A lot of new wave, a lot of punk influence there that really has influenced a lot of female singers in particular. I mean, a female singer of a – you know, sort of a rock band is, is pretty rare. Right. Now, why are we talking about Blondie before people go, what's, what's going on with them? Um, we're going to celebrate the song Rapture this week. And Rapture, um, kind of two pegs to the anniversary of that. Uh, first, as our favorite chart historian Gary here notes, Rapture was the number one song on the Hot 100 when Chartbeat launched. And Chartbeat really is, you know, what we what we have been doing and what we continue to do is really analyzing the charts, letting you know what's happening, why it's happening, um, you know, more than just here's a list of songs. Let's go a little deeper and to see what kind of trends we can identify. That's actually what Billboard wrote uh, in, in the March. We're actually taping this on the 36th birthday of the Chartbeat column starting a Billboard, March 28th. It's, it's, it's Happy 36th. Posting a couple days later. But, yeah, it's actually said um, it'll provide a weekly home for inside information about records, artists, producers, songwriters, labels on the pop singles and albums chart. It's not just a laundry list of the week's prime movers. You can tell that from looking at the chart. So, yeah, ever since uh, Chartbeat started by Paul Grine, who was on the podcast last year, yeah. uh, Fred Bronson uh, took it over, and then the charts department's been overseeing it uh, for the last uh, seven or eight years. But, yeah, that's uh, that's always been the goal. So it's uh, sort of a fun week in, in Billboard chart geek history that Chartbeat started uh, March 1981. Blondie Rapture was number now, one. Everyone can mark their calendars for the anniversary um, and, of course, also another nice little peg that most people probably don't know or wouldn't realize about Blondie's Rapture is it was actually really the first song with 
a really dedicated rap verse to hit number one on the Hot 100. I mean, rap obviously came around in the late 70s around, um, you know, Bronx and Brooklyn. But interestingly, as Paul noted in that first chart beat column, as, as Blondie's rap went to number one, he said it was the first uh, sort of disco rap song to hit number one after... Of all things, get this, Another One Bites the Dust by Queen. Right. Which, you know, nowadays no one would think of that as a rap song. Yeah, he called it Rap, rap Disco Smashes, both of them. Rap which, Disco. Which is like a fusion of two genres that no one would, you know, really even thought about back then in a sense. Um, yeah, but, at least Rapture has rap in the title, and she's... <laughs> is that how we designate <laughs> rap hits these days? That, that's if you got rap in the title, it's easy good enough. But, but you don't think of Queen necessarily as rap. You think of them as, as glam rock. Yeah. Blondie, at least, uh, Rapture had a little bit more uh, obvious rapping to it. But you, sort of how, uh, even today, the rap can mix in rock, can mix in different genres. We were seeing it maybe for the for the first time back then. Oh, yeah. I think that's that's definitely true. And, I mean, it's also kind of funny because they, like I said, they knew what rap was. They went to, part, I mean, they're from New York going to parties in Bronx and Brooklyn. And so Debbie Harry gets this, you know, she hears about this song that, uh, the co-writer Chris Stein wanted to to write with her, and they came up with that verse. And it's kind of funny if you look back now how nonsensical the verse is about you know the monster from Mars eating cars, and it's just like Cadillacs and Lincolns too, Mercury's and a Subaru, and you know it's like what is going on? But it's still actually kind of fun. It kind of holds up as just just kind of zany song that doesn't feel like it's you know trying too hard or taking itself too seriously. Um, but, you know, it's still pretty catchy. That can work for music. And, of course... There's no formula. No. If it's fun, it's fun. People I mean, like it. Exactly. And I'm sure... I, I always wonder what people, like, who heard that for the first time, like, you know, way back in the suburbs or, like, you know, in, in sort of middle America, um, what would they have thought, you know, what is Debbie Harry doing? Like, right. w- she, she... This isn't singing. This is... what What's going on? Yeah, and this is a time, too, 1981, when Air Supply, Christopher Cross, there's a lot of yeah. really... Uh, Lionel Richie, Diana Ross, and yeah. his love was big. So this is a really a, a total preview of what would happen many years later, that rap would become so much bigger. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, who, gosh, who would have thought that Debbie Harry really, in a sense, is a, a rap pioneer in a way. And new music, which right, for Blondie. Yeah, definitely. They're going to have, um, they're supposed to have a new album coming out this May. It'll be called Pollinator, which is such a... Like, such a great Blondie album title. Um, they put out a few songs already this year, um, so definitely look out for that coming May 5th, supposedly. Yeah, the first uh, single, Fun, is on our Dance Club Songs chart, which is kind of crazy that they're still on that chart here in 2017 because that chart goes back to 1976, so it's kind of spanned Blondie's entire career. Yeah. 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 All right. But, uh, yeah, so make sure you go on your Spotify playlist and see Rapture. I want to see those streams up next week, guys. All right, so uh, Oliver, your first episode here. <laughs> Welcoming you back to the Brady household next oh, week. Go- oh gosh, did I did I survive the cut? F- five more episodes, maybe more. Okay, uh, uh, hopefully more. All right, hopefully. I have a good feeling. Um, so yeah, next yeah. week we'll uh, see if Ed Sheeran gets a tenth week on the Billboard Hot 100 at number one. We'll look at that historically. Not that many songs have done that, so another uh, feat that could put it in more context of just how big a hit that's been. Yeah. Um, you heard uh, John McMahon from Atlantic. He's going to be back on the podcast as well. May have a, a, a different special guest on the podcast next week, a really huge uh, country music star and uh, an executive as, uh, as well. So uh, we'll find out 
little a tease. A Ooh, tease we're just going to tease. Oh, going to leave him in the shadow? Yeah, it's, okay. It's something to make people come back next week. All right. All right. Good job, Trevor. Oh, Welcome gosh. aboard. Well, thank you, Gary. And thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.